Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Ecclesiastics 1 through 3. These are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Please be seated. Before we get started, I don't know anybody that has not heard, last night I got to see my son's basketball team go 21 and 0. They won the championship. And I just want to say how proud I am of them because uh, it was a perfect season. They lost some of their star players throughout the season and they all rose to the, to the occasion. Pete, I'm proud of you. So this is our next installment on our Created For series, Created For Work. Uh, how, many, how many want to talk about work today? <laughs> you all laughed. <laughs> Me neither, but uh, the Bible tells us a few things. And uh, I consider myself a lazy worker because I really don't do a physical job. And the reason I say that is because a friend of mine, Ralph Howard, owns a farm in, in uh, Franklinville. And I've helped him out occasionally. I've worked there for a week, a day. And when you work on a farm, you're up early because the coffee maker went off at 4.30, so you had to be down there if you wanted your coffee, and then it was out to the barn to start chores. And that went on all day. There was no stopping till it actually got dark out. Uh, so before we get started, like to, I looked up some definitions of work, if we could bring up the definitions. Uh, activity involving mental or physical effort done in order to achieve a purpose or result a task to be undertaken. Another version I found to perform as intended or desired to cause something to do what it was intended to do. And of course, it's the job we go to. I'm going to work that day. I kind of lean towards that last one, to perform as intended or desired to cause something to do what it was intended to do. I think that's going to kind of where we're going to head here today. And uh, I said keep pulling it off. Sorry about that. And whenever we have a created for series, it seems like everybody ends up in, uh, in Genesis. So we're, this is where we're going to go. We're going to go to Genesis 1, 1 and 2, as we try to unravel what the Word of God says about work. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surfaces of the water. Now, as we can see here from the beginning... God was our first worker. He created everything, and I guess I never really looked at it that way. And of course, you know, as the next days prevailed, he created everything else, if we could bring that up. Day one, God made light so that there could be day and night. Day two, God made the ferments that separated the waters in two. He called the ferment heaven. Day three, God made dry land appear on the lower waters, he gathered the lower waters into the seas and made vegetation. Day four, God put lights in the ferment. He made the sun rule the day and the moon to rule the night. 
and the stars also. The greater light rules the day, and the lesser light rules the night. Day five, God made the sea life and birds from the waters. Day six, God made land animals from the earth. He made man in our image and woman. He blessed them and told them be fruitful and multiply and gave them dominion over all living creatures or to reign. And like I said, I never really thought of God as a worker, but uh, it had to be a busy week that week. <laughs> then you think about what did you do this week? And it's like nothing compares to that, right? <laughs> but I guess it's all relative anyway. Uh, but then the seventh day came around. And let's bring up the next scripture in Genesis. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in it was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished the work of his creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was a day when he rested from all his work of creation. So once again, we see God was our first worker. He created everything, and of course the Bible tells us that he worked. Uh, it's kind of pretty amazing because like I said, I never really thought of God as a worker. It's, it's just God, you know. And uh, of course, as we can learn from our father here, that sometimes work is necessary, and we do need it. If we could bring up Proverbs 24, or 20, verse 4. Those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food for the harvest. Kind of self-explanatory, I'd say. You've got to put some effort into something if you want to get something back. <clears throat> if you recall, man entered the picture, and uh, he was actually given something to do. If we could bring up Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry on the ground. As we can see here, man was given something to do, but it really wasn't work yet, was it? He just had to reign over everything. A uh, definition I found on reign was be the best and most important in a particular area or, or domain. And man lived in a perfect environment at the time. It was the Garden of Eden. There was food, there was water. Uh, they didn't even, it didn't even rain yet, so they really didn't have to do much. Just kind of watch over everything. Uh, but as you know, that was about to change. <laughs> Because uh, man sinned, and if we could bring up our next uh, verse, Genesis 3, 17 and 19. And he said to the man, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thistles and thorns for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat, until you return to the ground from which you were made, for you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. So now this is where man actually had to go to work. Sin entered the world, uh, and he actually had to scratch out an existence and uh, earn his living from the ground. And how many of us go to work, will go to work tomorrow with that same mental attitude? Oh, I got to go to work. It's Monday. Oh, for crying out loud, I wish I didn't have to go. But, well, hopefully we can take a different look at that. Uh, you know, we're etching out our meager existence. Uh, Ecclesiastes 1.3 poses a question to us. What do people get from all their hard work under the sun? Now think about that. What do you get from all your hard work? 
Let's go on because Ecclesiastes tells us more. Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises, the sun sets, then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south, then turns north, around and round it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never, excuse me, never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. And that's interesting, those last two sentences. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. How many of you have cable TV or satellite dish or whatever they have now? You got 100 stations. Is there ever, any, is there ever anything to watch? <laughs> but yet we're working and we're paying money for that. Think about that for a moment. <laughs> and no matter how much we hear, we are not content. Uh, where are you getting your wisdom from? What are you listening to? Is it the word of God or is it just common man? Well, some things to think about there as you go on about your day tomorrow. And remember, uh, oops, I think I got ahead of myself. I'm sorry. But all this means absolutely nothing. We can get better jobs. We can earn more money. We can get better, more stuff. We get a bigger TV. But a lot of it's actually meaningless uh, because God's not in the picture and all that. We're just working and we're churning out our day. We want to get more money. We want to get more stuff. I want to get a bigger house. I want to get a better car. And like it says, it goes on and on and on. But we're never really satisfied, are we? If you remember the fall, remember Adam and Eve pushed God out of the picture? They ate from the wrong fruit, the, the wrong fruit of the tree. And what happened to them? They were cast out of the Garden of Eden. The same can happen to us. We get too focused on earning that paycheck and earning that money that we forget all about God, and he's the one that provided it all. So just some things to think about. Uh, let's go into Colossians and see what they have to say about it. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and the master you are serving is Christ. Well, that kind of puts a different twist on it, doesn't it? You might work, you might uh, be employed by a man, but God is actually the boss. Now think about that as you go to work tomorrow. Who am I working for when you walk through that door? Maybe not tell your boss that, because he might throw you out the door, you know? <laughs> but as you do your job and you go on about your business, think, yeah, I'm working for God today. And you might see a different change in how you do your work. Uh, let's go on now to Colossians 4, 5. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you have the right response for everyone. Now, as we go through our day's work, we need to be reflective of Christ because there's non-believers around us. And believe me, they're going to be analyzing you a lot more closely than they do the guy that doesn't go to church. Because they're going to look at you and say, oh, what did he say? Doesn't he go to church all the time? Isn't he one of those Christians? And we're going to come up with a little story I have about that, too. But yeah, we really need to be that reflection of God if we're going to make any impact on the world at all. And for people to see that we're different. Uh, can we bring up Philippians 1.27? Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. 
then whether I come to see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together in one spirit, one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. The important part here is, uh, I know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Uh, I don't know, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, I had a conversation with a fellow at work. He pulled me off on the side and he says, hey, Joe, he says, how do you do this? How can you be so nice to the customers? Because they're not all nice. And how can you be so nice with everybody else? They all seem to like you. You seem to do well here. Everybody always asks for you. And I told him, I said, well, I'm a Christian. I have Jesus in my life. He did this. That can't be it because I know Christians and they're nothing like that. Now, look at that. When I come to see you and hear about you again, I know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose. We all need to demonstrate that. And I can't overstress that enough because they're watching you. They know you're a Christian. They know you go to church. And you may not have said anything, but they know it. So we need to be standing together with one spirit and reflecting Jesus. Uh, there's a movie that uh, we like to watch as a family. It's called The Ultimate Gift. You know, Pete usually likes to watch it. <laughs> but it's a story of a very wealthy man named Red Stevens. Uh, he started with nothing and built a multi-billion dollar you know, empire. And he dies of cancer. And he leaves all his uh, possessions to his family. They're breaking up the estate into pieces. And of course, you know, the family's all greedy. They all want, they all want it all. Uh, one of the fellows that gets a, a part of the inheritance is his grandson, Jason. Uh, now, Jason has lived pretty much work-free. He's had an unlimited uh, trust fund to live off of. And uh, in order for him to get his inheritance, he has to go through a series of trials, and they're called gifts in the will. So his first one is, of course, he's got to go to work. So he travels to Texas to see one of Red's old friends, Gus, who owns a ranch in Texas. And, of course... Like I said, you work at a farm and a ranch, you've got to get up early because in the movie, breakfast is at 5 a.m. And, of course, that doesn't start off too well. You know, he's lazy, he doesn't want to get up. He needs a cattle prod to get him out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> and he's given a job of setting fence posts, which, of course, that doesn't start off too well. When they bring lunch out to him, he's sleeping on the fence posts. But he goes through a few days of this, and all of a sudden he realizes that, well, maybe if I just get the job done, so he started taking his focus off the big inheritance he might get and started focusing on the job itself. He did actually did a very good job, and of course, Gus is pleased with his work. Which brings us up, up a couple questions I have, and what motivates us in our work? Is it God, or is it that paycheck? And are we doing the best job we can when we get to work? I mean, I'm sure everybody can look around and say, you know, wow, I've got to do more than he does. Why do I have to do more work than him when we're all getting paid the same and it's all the same job? But remember who you're working for, God. And then the other thing is, where do we get our work ethic from? Is it from the guy standing next to us or is it from God and reading the word of God? Just a few things to think about as you go through life. And if you remember what Colossians 3.23 told us, work willingly at whatever you do as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that. I know it's, it's difficult, it's always not going to work, but you'll find that uh, as you start doing this, work gets a lot easier. It's a lot more joyful than just that
trudging into work every day. <laughs> and so now some of you are probably sitting here thinking, well, what if I don't have a regular job to go to? You know, might be retired, uh, disability, whatever, stay-at-home mom, whatever. Well, we're going to go look at a few more workers of the Bible. Uh, we're going to go all the way back to Noah. If we could bring up uh, Genesis 6, 9. Bible doesn't say much about Noah. It's in there. You probably all heard about the story of Noah, right? Built an ark. Uh, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless one living on the earth at the time. He walked in close fellowship with God. Next verse says he had three sons. That's pretty much all we know about Noah. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Of course, it says he, worked close, he walked closely with God and he was asked to do something, build an ark. And Noah did exactly as God commanded him. Does anybody know how big the ark was? Estimates were it was 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet tall. Now, I don't know what Noah did for a living, but just think if God said, hey, could you build me an ark? And it's got to be this big. <laughs> and he, told, and they, he had to coat it with pitch so it was waterproof. And now bear in mind, it hadn't rained yet. <laughs> so now you're building a ship in a land where it never rained. Just think of the ridicule he put up with for following God's word. Now think about what God's been asking you to do this past week. Probably nothing like that. Just a little sidebar on the ark. Scientists have tried to disprove it. They built scale models. They put it in tanks. They threw water at it. And guess what it did not do? It didn't sink. It was the perfect ship to do exactly what it had to do. And what else could you expect from God, right? <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about another worker here. We're going to go into Nehemiah. Uh, it's about 400 B.C. now. And the Nehemiah was the cupbearer for the king of Persia, and I'll try to get his name right, Artaxerxes. I don't know if I got it right. Is that? Is it? Okay. <laughs> now, cupbearer had a very important job, and if I get this right, he's the one that had to supply the drinks to the king, because, of course, somebody's always trying to poison the king. <laughs> but let's read out the discourse between him and the king. So the king asked me, what are you why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified. But I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, well, what can I do to help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Now, at the time, Jerusalem was in ruins. All, all the gates, the protective gates were all burned and destroyed, and part of the protective wall was gone. So through prayer, God was asking Nehemiah, a simple cupbearer, to go rebuild the city of Jerusalem. He actually headed up the construction, and it went very well. But as you can see, this put a lot of faith in him, and it put a lot of faith on the king, too, because he had to give up his cupbearer. He had to find somebody else he could trust because it was a very trusting job. But through prayer, God got a message from Nehemiah. And uh, that's kind of one of the key things here. What message is God giving you? 
then what would he have you do? So it's important that you kind of read the Bible and keep praying to God and stay in that constant communication with God to see what he wants you to do and how he wants you to operate. Because you don't necessarily need a job to go to, but there's always God's work that needs to be done here in Lackawanna and beyond. Camp ABC. Think about it. But throughout the Bible, you can see ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Uh, remember Saul turned into Paul? You know, I mean, he was the guy that if there was a T-shirt made, the only good Christian is a dead Christian, he would have been wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just stay focused on God. Do what he wants you to do and listen to him. If nothing else, be quiet and listen. Uh, I'd like to get into Isaiah 55, 9 to 11. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and snow come down from heaven, they do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So my word goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which it was sent it. As you can see, it's really important because whatever God commands us to do, it's going to get back to God. And it's going to get used somehow. You may not see the results, but the results are coming. Uh, in fact, I can remember a place I worked at before my current job. Uh, I used to go in, pray every morning before I went in, pray for everybody there. I never mentioned anything about God. or I might have mentioned, hey, you want to go to church this Sunday? Of course, they'd always say no. But one fella... He come up to me one day, he says, Joe, Joe, I finally got it. I got saved this weekend. He says, I know a year ago I didn't listen to anything you told me. I remember I hadn't said a word to him. All he did was pray for him. <laughs> but through that simple, powerful prayer, he came to know Christ. So prayer is power. And uh, as you go on about your day and you might be praying for people or you get into these discussions about G God or the Bible, how many people have ever gotten pushback from the Bible? Try to mention the Bible that says, that's ah, a lousy story. Let's bring Isaiah back up. Here's a little tidbit for you. Uh, let's do the, go back to 59, 9 to 11. We'll read the whole thing again. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, here's where we're going to start focusing. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seeds for the sower and bread for the eater. Leave that one up there for a minute. Anybody see something in there? You say anything, a rose, Peter, you can't say nothing, but <laughs> what else do you see in there? No, as the rain comes down, it waters the earth and then goes back up. It's the basics of hydrology, a concept we didn't know about until about 200 years ago. <laughs> 700 B.C., they wrote about it. So if somebody ever gives you pushback on the Bible, open up this and say, let me show you something in here. This is pretty cool. <laughs> but the, the Bible's full of all these little tidbits of things here and there. It's a great book. It tells you how to live your life tells you how you're supposed to do your work, tells you you're supposed to listen to God. 
It's got science in it. It's got adventure. It really is a fantastic book. Uh, just going to finish with this. Everybody know who Billy Graham is, right? I mean, I don't know Billy Graham's history. I don't know who his father or grandfather was. But now think about the person that may be witness to his grandfather. Maybe he saw the person do something Christ-like. Maybe somebody told him about Jesus. Think about the impact that that one simple thing had on the rest of the world. As now we're into his son's, what's his son's name? Franklin Graham is now leading the ministry. And think about how that escalated throughout the years from that one little simple conversation that somebody had. Just something to think about as you go on about your day tomorrow. Uh, Dan, would you like to close us in prayer? Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks. I needed that. That was good. That was good. When I, when I did FedEx, and I occasionally do it uh, every once in a while, lots of you have said that you hate your job. Isn't that something? Hate my job. Um, there was a time when I hated FedEx. And the Lord said to me, I'm using this for my glory and honor because you are not what you think you are. And I'm going to use FedEx like a thorn in your side to bring out Christ in your heart and in your life. Once I got the message from God that God is using that to reveal himself in a greater way for me as a thorn in the flesh that draws me away from my strength, my, the height of my pride and my what I can do, to the fact that I can't do anything without Christ. Grace was given to me. We not only have to do a good job at work, we have to change our, our thoughts of work. And Joe, you brought that out tremendously. That work and everything you do is for a purpose to conform you to the image of Christ so that you can get to know him better that you can learn to love him better. In the, in the very nastiness and doldrum of your work, day in and day out, you respond to it with faith that you know Christ is going to be revealed in your heart and in your life. In every mundane activity, you can experience the grace of God molding you and shaping you because you're working for him. And it's an awesome privilege to go to work. It's an awesome privilege for those that are disabled, that can't do any work, that you turn this around to the, to the fact that there is a work for you to do. Amen? You're not disabled. You are able because he is able to minister to a lost and broken world. At FedEx, I got to know this awesome dude. And I consider us to be in a bromance, okay? <laughs> I got to meet my good buddy, Doug Paluch, who I call Fragili, right? <laughs> One day we just started talking about, man, if it wasn't for God, we both wouldn't be here right now, <laughs> right? 
And then we were sharing great stories, and we built a great relationship. So, guys, work molds you and conforms you to the, to the, to the image of Christ, but it also brings out these awesome relationships of connection that you have for all eternity. Who knew, me and Fragili, we'd be in a bromance together. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love that guy. I love him with all my heart. Rough edges. Rough, rough edges. But I love him. And this is, what, this is what God can do, guys. Let's be a church that works. You know why? Because we are his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So when you get up in the morning tomorrow, you look yourself in the eye and say, by faith through grace, I'm going to work this job to the glory and the honor of Jesus Christ. I change my view about it. When I go to work on Monday, I'm going to get a greater revelation of who Jesus is and how I need to give my heart to him. It's all about heart, heart issues. Amen? Sklepik, thank you for bringing the word of God. Amen? Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Next, next week, we'll be speaking about that we are created to rest. It's not what you think. Let's, let's pray. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for your wonderful grace that drew salvation's plan eons of time ago. You, you knew our name. You knew us. Even before we were formed in our mother's womb, you had a purpose and a destiny for us to know you, to love you, and experience your grace and mercy. I pray for each one here in this room right now, some that might consider work, uh, as something that's very, very bad, and they hate it. I pray now a new, fresh touch from the Holy Spirit to turn their eyes around. Let them look at it as if you are working your grace in their lives to minister to co-workers, to make friends, and share life together, share the wonderful grace of Christ. So we give you, the, we give you all praise and all glory for this one thing, that you did a great work in our heart and the fact that you are still working in our heart. He who began a good work in us will not finish until we see you face to face. So, God, keep working on us. We know, oh God, that it's your work in us to will and to do of your good pleasure work in us, oh God. And we pray, Lord, that we'll work out this wonderful salvation with fear and trembling through the grace and love of God. So go with us today. Let us get to a life group. Let us share life together. Bless each, each person in their mind, their body, their soul, and their spirit today. Raise us up and give us health and give us healing and give us your grace. And we thank you for it. And Lord, bless little scarlet grace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.